You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. To go whenever, Matt. Welcome back to another episode of the Testudo Times Podcast. I'm Matt Levine, your host, along with my co-hosts here, Lila Bromberg and Jordan Golden. We're here to discuss arguably the biggest news of the offseason, a large offseason for Maryland football, but now the addition of Alabama transfer quarterback Talia Tagovailoa. Guys, what are your just initial thoughts before we get into everything? Um, when I when I saw this news break, I was just beyond excited for Maryland football. I think that this is probably – I mean, you can talk about Stefan Diggs and now Raheem Jarrett, but in recent memory – this seems, I mean, just because he's a quarterback and the name recognition, I feel like this is the biggest move Maryland football has made in in years, decades maybe. This is just a great move for the program, a great pull for Coach Loxley, and just the future's bright for Maryland football, that's for sure. I mean, I have to be completely honest here. I, at the end of last season, was really not sure what the new direction of Maryland football is. I think that when Loxley came in, everyone was saying how good of a recruiter he is um, and how like he was made for this job because of how well he knows this DMV area. And I feel like that's a lot of typical things you hear. And even as I was hearing this from people, I was like, okay, great. Like I feel like you hear like everyone's a really good recruiter. But I feel like you've really seen just how good of a recruiter he is. If you just look at his offseason so far for Maryland football – he signed five-star Raheem Jarrett, who is uh, the number four wide receiver in the country. He got commitments from three DMV four-stars for the 2021 class. And he is the 13th best 2021 class in the country, which is uh, the best in program history as far as records go back, which is 2002. And then he lands Talia Tugnavailoa. I just, I think... Um, He's really putting in the pieces in place. It's yet to be seen whether, you know, the coaching can live up to that. But it's it's not – there's no denying the fact that, you know, the roster that he had last year was not the one that he helped build. Um, and it's really impressive just to see how he's really stacking up the future for Maryland football. And I'm more optimistic than I definitely was at the end of the season. So the brother of the number five pick of Miami Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, who Mike Loxley is very familiar with from Alabama and very familiar with the family. So there were talks about him going or Talia going to the to the University of Miami just to be closer to his family in Miami. But ultimately, he decided to go with that Loxley connection and come to the Terps. I mean, I think that this this move just speaks to how great of a relationship Coach Loxley must have with Tua and the Tagovailoa family because, I mean, this is a family that uprooted their entire life and moved from Hawaii to Alabama when Tua started at Alabama. This is as close-knit of a family as you can get. And to be able to pull Talia away from the family to the DMV area, I think that that just, just speaks to how well, how good of a relationship Loxley must have with uh, the Tagovailoa family. I mean, yeah, everyone you talk to just talks about how much of a player's coach he is, how much guys love him. I mean, you know, I talked to a guy like Sean Merriman, who was coached 
uh, by Loxley in the 2000s at Maryland, and they're still extremely close. You talk to any of his former players, and there's just such a bond there, and I think you really saw that with this move. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tugavailoa family moves to the DMV. I think that'll be yet to be seen, but I think that it's an easy flight from Miami to D.C. They'll be able to go to both games, but with Kalia being in college and Tua now being, you know, in the pros, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved to the DMV, but I guess we'll uh, have to find out about that. But you're right, it really does show a lot, their trust in him. They're a very close-knit family. It's something that um, Kalia said that he preyed on a lot, and I, I think it's a good move for him. I mean, there's a bit less pressure but I think it's a place where he can really succeed and, and build his own name for himself. I totally, I totally agree with that. And, you know, well, he's obviously downgrading in program stature going from Alabama to Maryland. I don't think the competition level downgrades at oh, all. Quite not frankly. at all. I think, I think when you look at the big 10 East and sec West, I mean, I think without a doubt, you say to yourself, these are the two best divisions in college football. And, He's going to have to go up against the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State every single season. And he's going to have a great opportunity to prove himself that he is a great quarterback in his own light, not just the brother of Tua. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, that's got to be a struggle, even with as close of you are as a family, just to always be, you know, compared to his brother. But, you know, if you actually compare their high school stats, Talia was a lot better. Um if you, he was a four-year starter in two years in Hawaii, two years at, uh, in Alabama in a really good conference, and he was a lot better statistically than Tua. Um, he had 14,207 passing yards and 135 passing touchdowns uh, in high school. And, you know, Tua only had 6,703 passing yards and 64 touchdowns in high school. And, you know, Tully is doing that for two years in a really competitive league in Alabama, and he was the first player in Alabama high school football history to record four 400-yard passing games. Um, so, I mean, his high school stats speak for himself. They're really impressive. He also had 11 rushing touchdowns in high school. He was an Elite 11 finalist. I mean, yes, he is behind the shadow of his brother just because his brother's a big name, but I think he had a much more impressive high school career statistically. Yeah, and when you, when you talk about that, I think the one thing that Talia doesn't have going for him. He's a bit smaller than his brother. I think that that hurts. But, you know, when you look at comparisons and you look at what they think the future for him is as a pro prospect, most guys say he's probably a day three prospect in the NFL draft, which is certainly respectable and something that, I mean, Maryland has not had a quarterback drafted since 1991 with Scott Zolak. And I think one comparison that I saw for Talia that I thought really resonated with me and I think will get Terps fans really excited is uh, Matt Zenitz, who covers Alabama for AL.com. He said that he spoke to a coach and he said that Talia reminds him a lot of Trace McSorley. And if you can get a guy like Trace McSorley playing in Maryland, I mean, that's that's really that that's going to do wonders for this program. If you look at his career at Alabama, he only threw a pass in three games, but he was you know, completed 9 for 12 of his passes for 100 yards. You know, he was effective in the small time he got. He did play in five games, so he would need a waiver to play next year, and he'll have three years of eligibility left. And I think that's going to be interesting to follow. I mean, we don't even know at this point if we're going to be having uh, the 2020 football season, you know, on time. That's still very much yet to be seen. But 
given NCAA history of quarterbacks and transfer quarterbacks, I wouldn't be surprised if he got an NCAA waiver, though Loxley had said he expects him to have to sit out. I think I, I think you said it best. I think that the NCAA waiver system has just been so up and down and random. It's, it, it's really hard to say whether he'll be able to play or not. I think on paper you say, no, he's not going to be able to play, but you never know with these with these waivers. And it, wouldn't, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if he's playing for Maryland in the 2020 season, but I would just say, just given what we know, it's probably going to be 2021 for Talia. Really? Because I, I, I lean more towards him being able to play just because of his name. I mean, I think that's played a huge part in why players have gotten these waivers is because of their name and who they are. And so I think because of that, he could get a waiver. We'll we'll see. I think it'll be something that's that's really interesting to follow as this um, as this off season progresses. I I also am leaning towards what Lila said. Him getting one because he's Tua's brother, and just based on what Tua did for the NCAA and, and college football, but also they want the money. <laughs> a tag of Iloa potentially start at quarterback on a Big Ten football team in the Big Ten East. Have Maryland be a little bit more competitive against Michigan. Michigan State, Penn State, like we keep mentioning, Ohio State, but I think the NCAA would probably want that to happen as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, the NCAA, let's be honest, I mean, they want money, and I think having him play generates you more money than not having him play, so I think that's why he'll play. <laughs> no, it's certainly interesting points, and I think there's going to have, there, there, to get a waiver, there has to be some sort of reason why he transferred to the school. I mean, when you look at Justin Fields at Ohio State last year, he was able to get a waiver. I mean, the reasoning was was because of a racial uh, racial racial slur incident that happened at Georgia between him and a um, Georgia baseball player. So, I, th- there, I think there has to be some sort of basis to get a waiver. But I mean, you never know with NCAA. I'm, I I wouldn't be shocked either way. So him coming in, we talk about him getting a waiver or not, but. How does this kind of affect the team next season if he does get this waiver? I think it's going to be between him and Lance LeJean in terms of a starting job. Um, Like, Josh Jackson was just bad last year. Um, I had high – and maybe that's because I had higher expectations uh, for him coming in because of what he was able to do at Virginia Tech. It was impressive what he was able to do there. But he was mediocre at best at Maryland. Um he struggled. I mean, if you look at his stats on the year, he had 12, he only passed for 12 touchdowns and seven of those came in the first two games. And then he gave up six interceptions and only completed 47% of his passes. Um, He just seemed to struggle with decision-making. He was inconsistent and he didn't seem to be much of a leader for his team either. Um, And so I I think that, you know, you're going to have it be between these two talents and Lance LeJean and, uh, Talia, if I'm being completely honest, and I think that Talia has a really good chance to land a starting job if he's playing this upcoming season. I I agree with you, Lila. And one statistic that I found uh, not so fun would be from ESPN. It says last season Maryland quarterbacks combined to have a 32.9 total QBR, second worst among Power Five teams, and only Northwestern was worse. So I think. <clears throat> When you add a guy like Talia to the quarterback room, and if he's the guy who's starting next year, which I would think if he gets a waiver, he probably will be, I think that that's just a tremendous 
tremendous upgrade and one that will likely see Maryland win a couple more games just from the fact of how good Talia is. I mean, this is, this is a great a great quarterback who should end up having a great career in Maryland, and I think that adding him to this roster, I think you they'll be able to put a team like Michigan, who has been so-so the past couple of years on upset alert. I'm not saying they're going to beat him year one with Talia, but I think that programs like Penn State and Michigan and even Indiana, who's going to have a good team again next year, and Michigan State, I can't can't say they're going to go in and beat Ohio State, but I think that these teams need to be ready. This isn't the same Maryland football program that they've seen since they've joined the Big Ten. This is with Talia at the helm and the other guys that uh, Loxley's bringing in. I think that the, these next few years have the potential to be the best teams that Maryland has had in the Big Ten. Here's my thing, though, right? Like, I get that it's a big quarterback um and all of that and we can talk about the receiving room you know after this point but I don't know if this offensive line is good enough to make this effect an effective offense I really don't um the position was a big focus for Loxley's 2020 class with him signing six offensive linemen all of which he prioritized size having them all at over 308 pounds but we don't know a lot about these guys a lot of them came up from junior college um, you know, offensive line, that's a hard thing to measure with stats. I haven't had a chance to really dig into the film on those guys. And even so, I mean, your film in high school as an offensive lineman isn't going to say much about what you can do in college just because there's such a size and talent difference. But the offensive line was atrocious last year. Like, it was horrible. Um, really bad. And it lost Ellis McKinney and Sean Christie, as well as Terrence Davis, who was the most experienced player on the line got injured in 2019 and as a senior was expected to have a medical redshirt, but he isn't on the roster for 2020 and that's a big loss. So I I think this offense, as great as it is that you have this quarterback and the wide receivers, which we'll get into, I really think that it's the effectiveness of this offense is going to depend on how good these offensive linemen that Loxley's bringing in are. No, I I totally agree. I think championships in college football are built in the trenches and i think that offensive line is so important but to that point one thing that i think bodes well for maryland even if they don't have a great offensive line is with talia is that talia you know in high school if you look back at the film he's throwing a lot of quick passes he's getting the ball out very quickly and that's something that we've seen from loxley's offenses he likes to have his quarterbacks throw the ball get the ball out of their hands pretty quickly which i think they'll need to do, as you said, with this, uh, you know, spotty offensive line. And you mentioned the, Lila mentioned the receivers that will be coming in or will be staying. And if all, given everything goes well in this receiver room, everyone's healthy, there's no off the field issues. They're going to have five-star freshman Rakeem Jarrett, who flipped from LSU. They're going to have Jay Sean Jones coming off uh, an ACL tear in his redshirt sophomore year, I guess. And DJ Turner coming back for his fifth year, who's very good, but did we didn't see too much of him last year because of all that off-the-field issues. And then Dante Demas, who led the team in receiving last year, is coming back. Isaiah Hazel, a four-star receiver in the 2019 class, will likely play a lot, a lot, uh, maybe even a decent role in this season. And Dewan Ellis, coming from Virginia Tech, had to sit last year, but is now eligible. So if everyone's healthy, which probably won't happen, but... If all goes well, this is a pretty good, or at least some good weapons 
for Tagovailoa. Certainly, and I think that when you look at Maryland's roster for next year, offensively at least, the wide receiver group is by far and away the deepest and strongest position that they have on offense. And I think that that bodes well for whether it's Talia or Lance at quarterback. I think that this is, is a great receiving crew. And I think that, I mean, you look at a guy like Stephon Diggs at Maryland. I mean, he's turned into an NFL superstar and was a fifth-round pick, really, just because of the ineptitude that Maryland had at quarterback. And I think that if you're someone like Rakeem Jarrett, you got to be just so beyond happy to see uh, them bring in someone like Talia to throw to throw passes to you because, I mean, that's something that's, that's hurt Maryland a lot when attracting top receiving talent is that, you know, they have a guy like Stephon Diggs come in. He was good at Maryland, but, you know, he was a fifth-round pick because they couldn't get anyone to get him the ball. And, you know, with whether it's Lance or Talia, I think that that just – I mean, you want to have as much talent in your quarterback room as possible, and I think that that just really helps out the receivers so much with having two – looks like two capable guys who could get them the ball. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, it really excites me just the possibility of Talia passing to either Rakeem Jarrett or Jayshon Jones. I mean, Jayshon Jones, let's, while Rakeem Jarrett is this incredible, you know, five-star, one of the best recruits in program history, Jayshon Jones was really impressive as a freshman. I mean, they didn't pass the ball that much that year, but that first game against Texas where he had a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown was incredibly impressive, and I think he's coming back really hungry off of this ACL tear. And I think you're going to see a really different Maryland offense because because of these quarterback struggles and just all the turmoil in that room, you've seen Maryland really rely on the run in past years. And you now have the top two running backs gone uh, to the draft with um, Anthony McFarland Jr. and Javon Leak. And you have this stacked wide receiver room, and now Talia Tungavailoa, who is a really good quarterback. And so I honestly think you're going to see much more of a passing offense for Maryland over this next year, one more that you've seen, one that you really haven't seen in a very long time. And I'm just going to throw it out there. I think Maryland needs to have some sort of air raid offense with uh, the wide receivers they have on this roster and the quarterback, I think they could do something really special with that. Yeah, I, I agree that their offense is going to have to change because, I mean, when when a quarterback struggles to throw the ball, they're going to run the ball, especially with guys as talented as McFarland and Leak were last year and and uh, McFarland's uh, two years ago when he was phenomenal as that freshman season. So I think having – more of these options now, especially with Rakeem Jarrett coming in. Granted, he is a freshman. I don't know how much of an impact he'll have in his first year. Oh, he'll have an impact. He's, he's sure so be, good. I'm sure it'll be a, a decent impact, but I'm sure that'll grow over time to his sophomore and junior season. But certainly. Yeah, so it's, it's it remains to be seen how well he does next year. So it, it remains to be seen how well Lance or – Tagovailoa could do next year as well in a starting role for the first time, potentially. So these are all question marks, but I think it's headed in the right direction for sure. Do you? I think if you if if you're looking at Maryland's team next year, I don't I don't think you can put the expectations too high. They're playing, I think, the toughest schedule right now in uh, all of Power Five, all of NCAA. 
So, I mean, I think that that's something you need to consider. And also with the youth of this team, I think that next year, if it happens, I think is really a developmental year for this team. And Oh, yeah, I agree. What? I I agree. I just think it could be like a better offense. I don't think – I think it's a defense that isn't going to be there. Yeah, I think that next year it'll just be about developing these young guys. And then a year or two from now when Talia will be – when Talia and uh, Jared and all these other guys will be, you know, as upperclassmen on the team, I think that's when you could really see this Maryland team make some noise, especially when you get the class of 2021 guys in. Do you guys think that Loxley and Scotty Montgomery have the, I guess, playmaking, planning ability, whatever you want to call it, to execute some sort of air raid style offense to kind of switch things up and really have a pass focus offense where, you know, you're ha- you're really utilizing all of these wide receivers. I certainly think so. With, at least with Mike Loxley being at Alabama winning uh, national offense coordinator of the year, taking that team to the national title. And you had two attack of Iloa quarterback. So that helps a lot when you have a guy who could throw the football, <laughs> run the football, but also they had, so many great wide receivers on that team. Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, who just both got picked in the first round this year. Um, so with those weapons, I think those guys are much better than Maryland's room, but Maryland does have the depth now, I think, at wide receivers. So Loxley's done it before at Alabama. It's just a matter of taking what he did there and working it into what these guys can do at Maryland. I, I agree with everything you said, Matt. I think that Loxley's... You know, success with Tua at Alabama shows that, I mean, he can really work with these quarterbacks and create an offense for them that's right for them and will have a ton of success. And I think that we'll see that with uh, the offense next year and the following year with uh, Talia at the helm, likely. And I mentioned that I really think that, you know, defense is going to be more of a struggle this year, especially losing a lot of the pieces they lost. You lose your two best players on the defense in Keandre Jones and Antoine Brooks Jr. So I think, you know, that's going to be a struggle. You're also losing uh, Marcus Lewis um, and and some other guys as well. And so I think that that's going to be more of what holds Maryland back next year is the defense. I mean, the defense just really even struggled with those guys last year. And um, so I, I think that's going to be a bit of a struggle. But then when you bring in this 2021 recruiting class that we, we talked about, I think, like you said, Jordan, that's when you can really see this team starting the form and reaching the potential that Loxley wants it to. If you look at this 2021 class, I mentioned it's currently ranked 13th in the nation, and that's the best in program history as far back as 24-7 team rankings go, which is 2002. And it's still early in the cycle, and that's higher than Penn State, Miami, Georgia, Baylor, Auburn, Oklahoma, and Oregon, just to name a few programs. And that includes commitments from three, four stars in the DMV, all of which are in the defensive line. And Maryland has not had that many four stars on the defensive line in one class as far back as those rankings go, like I said. And that's been a position of struggle for the program. And so I think, like you mentioned earlier, college football really depends on the trenches and I think once you get those guys in that can really make a difference I totally agree and I will say you you mentioned all the losses they had on defense one positive I think that they have going for them on defense is I think Nick Cross showed so much promise as a freshman 
And I think that he's just really going to pop off next year and have an incredible season. But I do agree that defense is going to be an issue for this team next season. But look out for Nick Cross. I think it's going to be a big season for him. And as far as the 2021 class, I mean, Loxley's really doing a, a great job so far. And he's brought in a lot of the top guys in the DMV. And one name, you mentioned the defensive line. One player in the 2021 class that I'm really excited about is Antoine Littleton. And he... For those that don't know, he goes by the nickname Baby Bus, and he's a running back, six foot, two hundred sixty-five pounds. I mean, this guy is a beast. He, I saw him play last year in the uh, WCAC uh, semifinals uh, when St. John's was going against Amatha. I mean, you get this guy in the red zone, you give him, you give him the ball, and you just can't stop him. I, it's it's crazy to see how fast and how how well this guy runs at his sides and that's someone i'm really excited to see when he gets in college park uh two years from now so that defensive or just defense in general they're bringing in some defensive line guys in 2021 you have damian robinson a four-star defensive end from the dmv from quince orchard high school you have marcus bradley from the same high school they were high school teammates and you have Tyzee Johnson, a four-star defensive tackle as well. So, And he's from St. John's. There's three guys from St. John's in this 21 class. I think just the DMV has just so much talent. And we've really seen Loxley put that on display, his ability to recruit here in the DMV. And notice that he's going after at least the three guys we mentioned here. He's going after defense. And he's getting defense, He's getting a defensive line. And, and I think that's very important coming in 21 at least i mean yeah that's been a thing i've been really really impressed with oh sorry yeah that's been a thing that i've been really impressed with with loxley is being able to keep that top talent home because that was a thing that he really mentioned wanting to do and i mean there really is incredible talent in this area you look at robinson you know he had offers from alabama clemson georgia and ohio state all three of these guys are under armor all americans um you know, Robinson was ranked as the third best weak side defensive end in the country and the third best player in all of Maryland. Um, and the, that's for the 24-7 sports composite. And if you look at the 24-7 rating alone, he's ranked as the best weak side defensive uh, player in the country and the best player in Maryland and the 21st player in the nation. You look at Marcus Bradley is ranked by the composite as the 10th best defensive tackle in the country he had offers from ohio state lsu and tennessee and then you look at johnson and you know he was ranked as the second best player in the dmv behind caleb williams and he had offers from alabama florida georgia and lsu also you know all three of these guys are all americans like i said so i mean this is really high caliber talent that's being recruited by the top programs in the country and Loxley was able to recruit them to stay at Maryland. And you really see this movement starting. You know, you see it trending on Twitter, all these guys talking about, you know, hashtag uh, DMV to UMD and um, hashtag TBIA, like the best is ahead. And you really see a lot of these recruits really recruiting each other and making staying home and playing for Maryland something that's cool again. And I think that really speaks to a lot is that it's not just Loxley recruiting these guys, but Loxley's been able to recruit them so that they're now recruiting each other and really making this like a cool thing to do. 
And you mentioned you mentioned how Loxley has really beefed up the defense um, with this 2021 class. And there's two big-time four-stars left in the DMV area on the defensive side that have yet to commit in Monkel Goodwine and Greg Penn. And I think those are two names to watch for Maryland. I, more so Greg Penn. What's that? I think more so they have more of a chance of Greg Penn, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely – Definitely, it seems like they have a better chance with Greg Penn. Greg Penn is at DeMatha, and then Goodwine is at the National Christian Academy. I think landing either one of these guys just will continue to firm up that 2021 class of defense. And then, obviously, you mentioned Caleb Williams. I saw a lot of people talking on Twitter, the, like, how does this affect, or how does Talia's decision affect Caleb Williams? And I'd say to be... I don't, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here. I will say I don't think it has any impact at all on Caleb Williams. But, I mean, if you if you look at Caleb Williams' social media and you look at 247 Sports Crystal Balls, he's 100% to Oklahoma. His, his Twitter picture has been a picture of Lincoln Riley and his mom together for months now. I think, I think it's pretty much a done deal for him to go to Oklahoma. And I think for Loxley, it's like you can't, you can't not want to take – uh, someone as good as Talia because of someone like Caleb Williams who they're likely not going to get. I mean, this is going to take – this would take a massive, massive comeback for Maryland and Loxley to be able to pull off Caleb Williams, and I just – I can't see it happening. I mean, yeah, you just look at Oklahoma and, like, their history of producing Heisman quarterbacks, and, I mean, I think that's just something that if I'm Caleb Williams, I'm looking at it as – Here's Maryland's history of injuring quarterbacks, right? And having not the best offensive line. And here's a program like Oklahoma that has a really good offensive line every single year, uh, produces quarterbacks that go to the draft every year. And so I think it's just kind of, it would be an insane move for Loxley to pull off. But regardless, Caleb Williams has said he wants competition. Like, I don't think either way Tua, I mean, sorry, Talia affects it. But yeah, yeah, like you said, I mentioned, I think that's kind of gone. And one more thing I also want to bring up that I also forgot to mention, you we mentioned those 2021 guys coming in on the defense, but next year you also have uh, Ruben Hippolyte II, who is a four-star um, outside linebacker. He's coming in. Uh, he is a top 300 player in the country, 17th best uh, linebacker in the country, and he'll be coming in for the 2020 defensive class. So I think that even adds to more so what I said that maybe in time for the 2021-22 season, you can really see more of Loxley's vision coming to form. Totally, and I, I'm excited to see Hippolyte play as well. And I think, like I said, I think that given how hard the schedule is and the youth of this team, I think you can only view the 2020 season if it happens as a developmental season. See what Loxley has on this roster as far as talent. And then I think once the 2021 season comes around, I think that, that's when you can really start to judge what Loxley has done and the players he's brought in because they'll be a little <clears throat> they'll be a little older and he'll be coming off what looks like his best class that he'll have had in Maryland. I think that's when you can really say if the program is really trending upwards as it seems like it is now. And Hyperlite is a guy that's he's six foot two twenty five, so another guy that's just kind of enormous, uh, at least for a linebacker, but. Uh, he, he's had pictures on social media, and he just looks ripped. And this guy's a senior in high school, so... Yeah, like, in terms of that, I think he definitely does, and you see him looking really motivated on social media, um, constantly just talking about 
how he wants to take his game to the next level and have this continued success. And I think that's good to see. I think that that's something that Loxley looks for in recruits. Like, I think one of his major issues with the team last year is these weren't guys he recruited, and they weren't, like, it's not just, like, the talent level. Like, he looks for a certain kind of guy that is really going to be self-motivated, that is a really, really hard worker, and he worked really hard to change that culture within Maryland football and is still working on that. And so I think a lot of the guys that he targets, it's not just that they're talented. He sees guys that are going to work really hard and be self-motivated because those are the kind of players that he needs. And so I'm interested to see how much of a difference you see with how a team performs even next year if there is a next year where it's still you don't have all the defensive talent coming in, but just to see that this is more of a team Loxley is molding in terms of culture, in terms of work ethic, um, because you did see him kind of take a lot of have a lot of players transfer out last year and um, that didn't really meet his standards or other things like that. So I'm interested to see, like, was last year just that Loxley struggled to coach or that he didn't have the players that he wanted? Because, you know, he did do really well at Alabama when he had that top talent, but how can he do when he has kind of, like, in-between talent, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. And I, I think that you, if you're judging Mike Loxley, I don't think you can, I don't think it's fair to judge anyone's first season in a program. Oh, yeah, for at, sure. I mean, like, if you look at Kirby Smart at Georgia, I mean, he only won eight games his first year there. Like, you can't Only you can't won judge, eight games. <laughs> I mean, I, different standards. I mean, Nick Saban, I'm pretty sure, only won six games his first year at Alabama. I think you can't, you can't judge, You it's impossible to judge a college coach with his first year in a program. And that's, I, I think the same for year two with Loxley, honestly, just with the state of the program of Maryland football. I mean, how it was when he came in, I think even next year, I think it'll be a little bit unfair to judge him if things don't go how he wants them to go. I think, Especially because like you don't have the offseason. 20, 2021 is the year that I think you can really start to say you can really say if this program is headed in the right direction or not. And with the looks of the 2021 class right now, like you said, ranked 13th in the country right now, I think it has all the potential to finish ranked in the top 20, top 25, and it's, it's, it should be a great group for Maryland football. And here's something that I think Maryland fans have to keep in mind as well. If we do have a 2020 season, whether that's in the fall, whether that's in the spring, you have to keep in mind, Maryland did not have spring camp, right? Like they had their off-season training program, they had that, but then the pandemic happens and basically what they've been doing, they've been giving players workouts to do, but they're not even allowed by the NCAA to like do workouts together virtually. Like you, they're not allowed to do them over Zoom. They're allowed to tell guys, this is what we need you to do and do it. And then they're allowed to have team meetings where they've really been focusing on the mental side of things. Loxley told Matt and I when we had him recently on a podcast um, that they're really focusing on learning plays and sharpening themselves mentally. But in terms of the physical aspect, they have not had a chance to practice together. There was no spring ball. And it looks like if there is a 2020 season, you're not going to be having the summer training that you would expect to. Fall camp is probably going to be shortened tremendously. So if that does happen, Maryland fans have to keep in mind that he is not preparing the team the way he normally would be able to. And that's really important in a coach's second year because he now has more of a talent he wants in the program. And Loxley is a coach that really, really focuses on practice and fundamentals and getting, you know, he, he's a guy who learned from Nick Saban, practices everything to him. 
And so the fact that you're not getting that and you're not having that camp will have a big impact on the season. And that's something that people need to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Maryland's dealing with that, but every other team is as well. So I think it's very interesting to see how teams come out of this and adjust. And let's say there is a season or even if it's just delayed, but this whole thing has just been decisions by each state. So if Michigan opens up and Maryland doesn't, for example, uh, and whenever that, I forget when the NCAA is allowing players and teams to start working together again, or whenever the big 10 said, I think it was the end of July. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's all by conference. I think the SEC is voting this coming week whether or not to allow players to come back to campus on June first to start training. So I think I think okay. it's more so going to be a conference by conference thing. You could see the SEC start training next month, whereas There's the Big no Ten way. might not start until July. There's no way they have players come back to campus on June first. That just seems so unrealistic. Right. Like, I, mean, I don't even think, like, the, the Big Ten is going to have Many of the Southern July. states are opening back up yeah. or have already opened back up. So I think that the SEC looks like it'll probably be the first to allow players to come back. And I think that from from what I read, it seems like it, there's a good chance that SEC players are on campus in some form or fashion and on uh, June 1st. Well, this is what I was trying to get at before is that let's say the Big Ten – whenever it opens up again to allow teams to start working out. But the state is still closed. If you have Michigan, you have Ohio opening up, those schools are going to get an advantage over a team like Maryland, whose state is still closed. So I think this is so just up in the air. You really have no idea. And we don't know how this is going to play out. And that's kind of what's concerning almost because, you know, sports – Everyone wants it back in some capacity, but it, there's just no one really knows what's going on. And if this does play out the way I just said, a team that has their state shut down still could be at a disadvantage for the upcoming season. I mean, let's be completely honest. This situation's kind of a mess, and that's not really to anyone within football's fault. But, I mean, it's just – it's going to – vary by conference it's going to be very up and down and I think it's going to be a long process of them deciding and you know the NCAA's Mark Emmert has said he doesn't see a situation in which student athletes are playing football if other students are not living on campus um so it's going to be really interesting to see and then you also talk about an idea proposed about you know playing in the spring but then you have the issue of that overlapping with basketball and so I mean, I think it's just something we're going to have to keep an eye on. I don't think even if we're saying they're going to make a decision at this point, you don't even know if that's going to happen because it seems like everything just gets pushed back and pushed back. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens. But regardless, I mean, you know, Loxley's moving in the right direction in terms of recruiting and all of that sort of stuff. And I think that's kind of a positive that you have to look at here. I mean, <laughs> that's been a huge driver for our content over this offseason I mean I personally am very grateful to Mike Loxley just because I don't know if we'd have much to talk about without uh, all of these offseason Maryland football moves with no live sports going on yeah you're absolutely right I think just even keeping fans engaged I know that's not Mike Loxley's motive here but he's done a good job at that you see all over social media people are blowing up about this and Wes just put that out kind of the fans reactions to uh, Talia coming to Maryland 
So I think just people are a lot more engaged with how many guys have committed to Maryland football, at least over the last couple of weeks. This has certainly been the most exciting time for Maryland football in a long time. And I'm excited to see how he finishes off this 2021 class. So thank you for joining us on this football update podcast for the Testudo Times podcast network. And we'll be back soon with some more podcast action and some more contact content on testudotimes.com. That was good. That was a good lamb.